Hey everybody, this is Al Nash from the Unapologetic Women Empowerment Dynasty and you're listening to the Unapologetic Women Podcast, their show for women who choose to live their legacies, unleashed, unlimited and unapologetic. If this is a space you are curious about, visit unapologetic-women.com. Today, we're talking about being unrelatable in joy with Anna Thalman. Anna is a sexual intimacy coach who helps you to get your orgasm back by getting out of your head and into your knickers. She has coached over 250 people in the last seven years using virtues, NLP and psychology. Her focus is your mindset as she is a firm believer in a thought creating reality. Thanks for joining us. This is Anna. Who introduced us? Carmel. Carmel introduced us. Shout out to Carmel, who by the way, still has not come on the podcast. And I still need to drag her on here. (laughs) What's her excuse for not coming on? She has a joy-filled life. She doesn't have any like deep, dark moments to share. Um, And... But that's the whole point. It's almost as though we have created a society where if we don't have the heroine's journey to share, that we we are not, don't have anything of worth to share. And I specifically want to get her on to the podcast because I want to give women permission to have joyful lives Mm -hmm. and to understand that that is as important at this time as for those of us who have been through some fires and and got a little suntanned in the process (laughs) but yes I remember when she made the introduction and I saw sexual intimacy coach and I was like yeah I want to meet this woman so Anna welcome onto the podcast it's such a delight thank you for saying yes and I can't wait to get delving into this conversation well thank you for having me it's a pleasure and what time is it there at the moment? Because you're on the other side of the world. Well, yeah. Uh, it's 10 a.m. here. So I'm, okay. I think, two or three hours ahead of, uh, behind you. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So let's start with a question that I start every podcast with. And it's the question that has, quite frankly, changed my life. What does it mean to you to be an unapologetic woman? To me, it means to be me, to, um, cause just because we talked about this, uh, feeling ashamed actually to have a happy life and to not have this history or this trauma that you've gone through. I was at a point when I was younger where women didn't like me. And I found out if I tell them what happened to me, if I tell them a traumatic event, they would have probably pity, but they also put me down or take me down from the pedestal that they have put me on. That's why they don't like me. And then they were more open to get to know me. And um, even though I liked it at the time because women just opened up and I had uh, female friends, it was amazing. I, It wasn't me because I don't want to put a story out or just drag something from my past up and say, 
this is what's happened to me. Please be empathetic and like me. It's more like, this is me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Take it or leave it. So that's for me is an unapologetic woman to just the whole shitty and the good shitty. <laughs> I'm going to put in right here, right now for anybody listening to take full responsibility for their personal well-being and triggers that's going to come out of this conversation clearly um, because that is a can of worms that I am busy opening which is not making me very popular amongst women because I'm calling out this bullshit of mm -hmm. the martyr feminine and how we are being conditioned how we especially have been conditioned that women have to struggle women have to have a victim story women have to have a self-sacrificial story in order for us to be relatable or oh, let's go there because oh, let me get onto this little soapbox because i get onto this one so often especially in the marketing arena at the moment people must know like and trust you and in order for them to know like and trust you we have to share these stories of the heroine and our overcoming and and all of this stuff to let others gravitate towards us and in order for us to become relatable i know what you mean oh my god i remember mm, marketing people by the way don't like me i worked with a marketer a few years ago and he told me that he can't work with me because I am unrelatable in joy. And unless I was willing to stop being so happy, nobody would accept me on social media. What did you do? I left social media. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> But what do you think it is and what do you think it is about women that they want other women to have a hardship story for them to even open up the possibility to getting to know you? How I see it is that it depends on where on your life journey you are. Because some women, doesn't matter their age, have grown and they are confident and uh, they are okay with who and where they are. And I think these women, they don't need this relatable victim story to, to gravitate towards you. But then there are these other women who are not there yet, who are still in their victimhood, who are still struggling, who are still growing mm -hmm. and the confidence might be lower the the self-acceptance might be longer uh, lower and they want to have someone to relate to to see they are not alone they can do it as well and they need probably more often someone to to find themselves in this other person because mm -hmm. i've been been talking to a, a, band, a brand photographer and she said the same thing when you create um, your posts or your website or whatever 
share personal stuff so people can relate to you, people see the person. And I said, but I don't want to. I'm, I'm a coach, that is my profession, that is my business. I share value with you, with my clients, with everyone. But I don't want to share my personal sex stories or my relationship stories. That's not me. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And she was like, yeah, but how should people then relate to you? Mm. How can they see themselves in you? I said, I guess the right people will. Yeah. And if they don't, then they're not the right customers, not the right clients for me. Yes. It's interesting for me, one of the reasons I have evolved out of coaching is because coaching has become an industry and in the process, the art of coaching is being lost. And most people don't understand the difference between coaching and mentoring. And 99% of what you're seeing online, people being coaches are in fact mentors. They teach you their methodologies, their strategies based on their experience but very few of them have been trained in the art of coaching, which is the art of powerful transformational conversations, which has nothing to do with the person, which is the coach. And it has everything to do with the arts of the conversation. And it's um, interesting for me how this seems to be even taking strong coaches out of coaching and going, okay, well, I need to have a, I have need to make the business work. So I will stop being a coach and I will start being what you think coaching is in order for me to get the clients. And I did that for seven years. And in that I evolved out of coaching, which is how I am creating the new space of self-leadership, which is a whole other ball game, right? We have to share our stories in order for us to become relatable. How much do you think that is really serving women at this time? And how much do you think has become sensational more than the sharing of the wisdom? For me, the wisdom comes from extracting conscious learning from our life experiences and sharing that versus sharing our life experiences how are you finding or how are you experiencing that for yourself so when we come back to social media there is a particular platform and when i go through my feed it's one post after the other like um I am down or I've been down and I went through this and I got out of this. If you want to work with me, I can help you. And it's one post after the other. And I personally, similar to you, I took a step back from that platform because I thought I can't handle it. It's, for me, it's too much negativity in the sense of, I understand your story and it's great that you worked through it, that you came out the other way, but reading it every day, one after the other, it's for me, it's depressing. It's just, it doesn't give me joy. I don't feel connected. I just feel like, I wouldn't say rejected, but just like, no, I don't want to read it anymore. Go away. Tell me how happy you are now. Tell me, 
um, what makes your life so pleasurable? What is it in your life that you enjoy most? And share that that happiness with the other people. But it's like, I think with the news, it's the same. Only the drama sells and the sex. <laughs> so when you have these two things, yeah, you're guaranteed to have a lot of people looking and watching and commenting. Yeah. But drama, sex do... and money, right? Drama, sex and money. Ah, uh, yeah, the money. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always the power. And um, yeah, and if you just share happiness, then you get the other people in who say, yeah, I can't be you like, like your uh, marketing guy. Can't work with you. You're too happy. How, how shall we sell that? And it's like, but what do you want me to do? You want me to go in the corner and cry just <laughs> to make you happy? Yes, or, or share all the drama that I've been through. Now, here's my thing about that. Yes, I've lived some shits. Mm. It doesn't define me. I don't define myself as an overcomer or a hero or a badass anymore. I did for a long time. Oh my God, I'm such a badass. Look at what I'm doing, right? I've outgrown all of that. Thank God for getting older is all I'm going to say. For anybody who thinks getting older sucks, what a lie. Getting older is the most amazing thing that this life experience is gifting us, especially as women, especially in this time. When I keep on rehashing the story of how I get here, I am still stuck in a pattern. I'm still stuck in a pattern and I can only recreate the same beliefs all of the time that got me here. Whereas if I remove myself from the story and I just extract, well, who, what did I learn and who have I become in the process? And now I literally live from this space forward. What I get to do is I get to communicate with people who are here. Now, by the way, I know this is becoming a coaching conversation, but I do think maybe this is important to have as well, right? Coaching was never somebody on a pedestal. Coaching was always a coming together of peers, two equal human beings coming together in powerful conversation. The one is not ahead of the other one. The one is not teaching the other one. Two equals coming together, having a powerful conversation in the moment from where you are finding yourself from here right now and then projecting into the future right of who we are becoming it's always been about the internal transformation was never about the results and I still don't believe it is I believe it is about the transformation but if we are going to continually rehash the story to tell people how great it is that we are where we are a they are regurgitators and rehashes of your life. And so we are removing the original creation, which is possible with introspection and creative conversation. And what we are seeing at the moment is, I don't know about you, but for a lot of the time for me, it's like Groundhog Day. Like it is little, little minion people. Everybody's looking and sounding the same. <laughs> it's like everybody is reading out of the same life book scripts. And we are losing the pioneering, the authentic person 
the rich life experience that is actually available to us at this time. Which doesn't come from learning everything that everybody else did, but comes from going inside and going, well, what else is a solution for me at this time? How do I get to do this? <laughs> I'm like, so hungry for originality, even going to the movies. I'll sit in a movie and I'll say out loud, oh, this is going to happen next. And then it happens. <laughs> and, and whoever's with me goes, have you seen this movie before? And I go, only a gazillion times. Because they're like stuck on the same script. Everybody is writing the same movie and using new technology to make it look different. But where is the originality, Anna? Like what's happening to artistry and creativity? And do you think that that's part of what we as women are here to bring back through our madness, our wildness, our passion? our sexuality, our pleasure, our desire, our richness, our messiness. Do you feel like that's what we're here to do at this time? Because I sure as hell do. I think we are the, the start of it. Yeah. I don't think we're in that, that we bring it out, but we open, mm. open the door for it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So we are the starter of it all and then with, with the probably with the examples that we set now our children the next generation the generation after that will then have that and yes. can live that out and, and be that messy and artistic and enjoy everything the pleasure the pain etc yeah yeah how did it come that you became a sexual intimacy coach, which is one of those topics that most women still shy away from? <laughs> well, the name just came about a couple of weeks ago, to be honest, but the topic itself. Um, so I've been a coach for many years and I was a, a general life coach because I didn't have, I didn't find for myself that one space where I thought this is me I always had this idea self-love I want to help women to accept everything that they are and with that we can change the world so that was my idea but I could put it down in words and then one morning got out of the shower I had this amazing idea and I thought if all of this tools that I'm using, the coaching tools, the knowledge that I have, if that works in all the areas in my clients' lives, why wouldn't it work in the bedroom? Yeah. And for me, it's when it comes to masturbation, over the years, I developed this idea that I have to have this amazing fantasy. This get It's getting bigger and better and... and uh, whatever more colorful whatever it is and you masturbate and then something else pops into your head and you're just like panic in your head while you masturbate oh my god I'm losing this fantasy oh my god I'm losing the feeling and it wasn't joyful anymore it wasn't fun it wasn't pleasurable it wasn't the orgasm that I wanted it was more like this rushed before the fantasy goes away yes. and I thought, let's try this. Let's see if, 
if it works. So I went down to business, I got my, my bunny toy out and I used my tools to quieten my mind, to be focused, to be in the present and to, to feel my body. And I used the tool, I, I used the, the bunny and I had an amazing orgasm without a fantasy, without any thoughts coming to distract me. And I could just feel my body. And it was so amazing that I thought I need to share this. I need to help women to enjoy their body, not just the sex or the orgasm, but being happy with their body, being happy how their body feels, how it looks, how it behaves in certain situations. And that's what's, that was the birth hour, I guess, of me wanting to help women to get their orgasm back. Mm. Yeah. And the name, like I, I said, just came after I, I talked to uh, a lady about my business strategy. And she said, Anna, you need a proper name. You need a proper coaching <laughs> name. And then we came up with sexual intimacy coach. It's interesting for me, um, you talk about getting your orgasm back and and I'm going to actually invite in the conversation that it needs to start going beyond the orgasm because I worked with a sexual coach. No, I've worked with a few sexual coaches. I come from a, a background where I was raped and I had a lot of uh, sexual tension and stuff in my marriage. Um, and so part of my leaving the marriage was reclaiming my sexuality first of all as a woman um or reawakening my body because my body had shut down completely over the years and it got to a space where it was like orgasm on demands and I had a conversation with my one friend and, and we were both going oh my god it's becoming ridiculous we can have an orgasm within two minutes but it's so rushed it's just I need to have an orgasm. I need to get the release. I was almost addicted to the orgasm and, and getting that quick energetic release in my body that it still wasn't pleasurable. And there was no intimacy with myself in the process. What was the difference for you between having an orgasm and being intimate with yourself? interesting question hmm so having an orgasm and being intimate so when I compare it to before and after my great idea before it was like you said it was this quick release having thinking about the fantasy beforehand and then when I go down to business I I know what I'm want to think about I know what I where I want to get with my fantasy and I know that if I do this 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 then this is going to happen quick yeah it's like get down to business going. I mean that says yeah. it all right I need to get yeah. down to business and have an orgasm <laughs> yeah yeah and the difference for me now is um the feeling is different beforehand so it's it's not in my head anymore it's not this or what fantasy the the preparation time is gone mm -hmm. and i can just lie there and enjoy how my body reacts so how it builds up and and how it then 
not not the orgasm but beforehand how does my body feel how do i look when i look down on me like and enjoy it more yes i still get an orgasm quite quickly but i think that's because of i let go of everything and it just happens because i just give myself over to that feeling but yeah the the, the preparation time is different i'd say which is such a beautiful um mirror for me so i always look at one area of life mirrors all areas of life right if we can if we can figure something out in one area of life it's translatable to all areas of life and as i'm listening to you that is very much my life shift and, and the work that i now do is to get out of there what is the fantasy what is the preparation that i have to do let's get down to business let's get the outcome and then let's get on with life very masculine in the energy of that right which is very much how we are brought up in this time to the more feminine way of the preparation is not even necessary it's the intention and the presence the enjoyment and the appreciation which then creates an orgasm as part of the experience as part of the experience not the chased outcome beautiful and how different that is mm. and i invite women to start playing with this idea what if you weren't so overly prepared what if you were so present with your life and so immersed in the enjoyment of the experience even the shitty experiences mm. still appreciating it and and marinating in life and then having the orgasms as part of the experience not the end because it just flows into the next experience do you find that that's changed for you that you don't just jump out of bed afterwards and get on with life because now the orgasm was just part of the experience and it still gets to ride out more for you I've never been one to lie. So even with sex and even if it's very, I'm not a cuddler after it. <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, sometimes it's more my partner, like, stay here. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Almost look, looking at my watch, like, okay, we, we've been here now for two minutes. Can we now? So I've never had that. Could you try Sorry, my watch was talking. Um, so I never had that to, to linger around. Yes. What I do have is um, that I stay there and, and smile and just enjoy the, the, the aftermath the when it goes out of your body again and everything is tingling. Like, hmm, nice. And then I get up. But for me, I've never stayed long enough probably or longer than other women because it's not not for me somehow but it's not a it's not a stop start like a like, not, a, not like a process yeah so yes. dance brilliant put away get up yes. no yeah it's um it's I, I still enjoy it I, I enjoy it even though it's a quick getting up for me i enjoy it and i even run then through the house and and smile like oh this is so nice 
gonna talk out of the bedroom <laughs> oh my god let's hope my boyfriend isn't listening to this um he gives me giggling orgasms Ooh. which I've never had in my life before I giggle because my body is so happy that I can't not <laughs> mm. and that giggle normally goes on and on and on and on and on for a long time and it's been an amazing experience to see how I've gone from having sex to having joyful pleasure as a woman and how this this changes everything for me in my life. Yeah. Joyful I, pleasure. Mm. I find, so from my experience, I find it's also important what kind of partner you have. Because I had partners who, who there was no passion there, there there was no exploration of my body there was no fascination with how my body reacts it there was foreplay there was intercourse but that there was something missing for me and when I had a partner who was passionate, even if I didn't have an orgasm, it was just the passion, mm. having that passion while you do the foreplay, while you have intercourse, while you play around, whatever you do, that passion I find is so much more worth than having the orgasm yes. as not as a result, but as part of it. Surrounding ourselves with passionate people, I feel is the mm. greatest gift we can give ourselves at this time. Surrounding yeah. ourselves with unapologetic people, unashamed people, and unshaming people is one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves. And the partner does matter, whether it's in your bedroom, whether it's your business, whether it's in friendship, whatever it is. And I feel that as women, we actually have a greater responsibility at this moment to give others the opportunity to step into a more joyful, more inspired state, rather than us always saying, oh, we are here to uplift others. We are here to bow down to others. I'll come down to your level. I'll come and help. And it doesn't mean that we are insensitive and that we don't support each other. And God knows we all have times, right? We all have times when it's just like a fuck this shit day where the, your girlfriend's either going to lovingly kick your ass because you're just having a pity party. And I'm all for pity parties. I used to have them multiple times more than orgasms not not bashing the pity party it's got its place but some days my girlfriend needs to give me a kick up the ass and go al honey just put on those big gold panties and let's go and have a party and sometimes she she says to me here here's your space rant rave get it out of your system get it off your chest whatever it is that you need but it's a very contained space that we have and then I bounce back to my natural state because I really am of the opinion that joy is our natural state of being and everything else is part of life experience 
But when we stop suppressing ourselves, we bounce to joy. We, we come back to that natural state. Wouldn't it be lovely if we, as women, choose to surround, choose to partner with more joyful people on a daily basis? That would be amazing. For me, it was, I, I left Germany happily because my family, and I love them, I love all of them, they they wouldn't be my friends if we wouldn't be related i wouldn't choose them in my life like you said choose those happy passionate people in your life they are not like that so when i left germany i was very happy to finally be able to breathe to to be myself not to answer questions why are you like this why don't you do that look at your siblings um, or what what idea do you have now all of that was left behind and now i could be me now i could spread my wings and become the butterfly that i was supposed to be and i think sometimes we feel this obligation particularly to our family, to friends that we had for 10, 20 years, and we just can't let them or leave them. But what I found is a great compromise is, which was for me to just accept my parents as they are just human beings. They make mistakes. They have their own ideas. They have their own experiences. And this is how they live them out, has nothing to do with me. And that's okay. I don't need to take it personally. I don't need to learn. I don't need to listen. It's okay. And I did the same with friends that I dearly loved. And I know there is a time to talk to them. There are topics that I'm happily to talk about with them. But most of my life, not... And that's okay, because I focus on what do I have? What can I have with them? What can I enjoy with them and really enjoy it without giving them the responsibility to be everything to me? Sometimes unconditional love is in the living. Yeah. I can love you and not be in your space. I can mm. love you and not have you in my life. That is unconditional love, which I think is so powerful when we make that choice. And it seems to be so tough for majority of people because they think it somehow says that I reject you or I'm abandoning you or I'm not being faithful to you and the friendship you owe me. This is blood. This is like all the old paradigm programming of what a relationship looks like but if the relationship is creating consistent pain due to an inharmonious vibration how is that love to insist on staying in somebody's space when it's creating pain for both of you for me that is not love that's suffering um, and I think the most loving thing and I get left a lot in life 
I leave a lot in life because for me, the love is harmony. Love is allowing everybody to have their own experience. And love is accepting and appreciating people for where they are. But if we are not on the same frequency, why do we feel we have to compromise on the higher frequency and come down to a lower frequency and then call it love? I want to pick up on one of the things that you said in that your family was going, oh, what is the next idea and what are you up to now again? And as creatives, as artists, as, as true entrepreneurs, it's impossible for us not to do crazy shit, new shit all of the time. And I think for most people, it does look like, oh my word, here we go again. And I'm watching a show on, on TV called um, Something Manor. And it's this couple, this British couple that moved to France and they bought this old freaking palace and redid it, this castle and redid it. And they have a wedding place and it, the, the project is crazy. I must put the link in for you so that you can watch this. And this, the woman, the wife, Every episode, she goes into a new place and she goes, oh, I think that we need to build a kitchen here and an outdoor area here. And it's like this rundown freaking forest piece. And then the husband just laughs and he goes, oh, ha, 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 here we go again. And then he builds it for her, right? And we were watching it and I said to Darren, I love this couple because this woman is batshit crazy creative. And he never puts it down. He never says you're crazy. He never says slow down. He never says that's not possible. He makes it happen. And we went and researched them and they're touring now and they've got best-selling books and a ton of businesses that has come out of this creative life that they chose. And I looked at them and I thought, that's power couple. When the masculine and the feminine comes together and the feminine has the vision and the masculine just figures out how to make it happen without ever saying that's too much let's slow down whatever have you found that that person for you that can keep up with anna the creative the artist the entrepreneur and what does it feel like for you after a family of slow down too much stop it need to settle down need to do the thing um i sometimes feel like i'm the masculine in our relationship because dirk is he has a lot of ideas he has full of energy and he changes his mind probably 20 times a day and um for me, at the beginning, it was a bit disturbing. Mm -hmm. Why are you like a little flag in the wind, just changing your mind all the time? But I come to realize that because he's creative, but he's not showing it in, a, in an obvious way. He's not painting or he's not building something, but he has this amazing creating for his work, problem solving brain. And he comes up with so many things that he wants to do. When we go on holiday, he changes his mind 10,000 times because he 
gets a new idea, something else he wants to do. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's wait. Let's wait till tomorrow and see what comes up tomorrow. And I love that because it gives me the chance to be there for him, to support him in his creativity of his kind. And when it comes to me and my ideas, he is, because he knows that I have, I think, always amazing ideas and I want to live them out. And he has gone through this with me now for many years. And he's at the point now where he says, okay, think about it. Tell me more about it tomorrow. And sometimes it's just like idea is gone. It's not that great anymore. Forget about it. But he lets me, for him, it was also an adjustment to have someone who is similar to him and where he then uh, learned to give space for those ideas, for that creativity, for all of the changes in, in the ideas. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a nice balance. And yes. I like that. But particularly when it comes to orgasms or my topic, sexual intimacy coach, he's still learning to accept that. Because mm -hmm. he's a bit uh, reserved. He's uh, like, this is my private space. I don't know what other people think. It's that people pleasing, being insecure with, do I really want people to see me as who I am? Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's, we come back to that unconditional love to just say, this is okay for me. You have a problem. It's not my problem. And we live with it. Yeah, I feel like there's almost a <laughs> little bit of a snobbish um, attitude in, in the personal development world at the moment that everybody should be into the personal development and we should all be these liberated, da 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 da, da. And um, my boyfriend is a farmer. He knows nothing about personal development. He doesn't even know what a coach is. He's never worked with one. Extraordinarily grounded, successful man. Um, and whenever we talk about my work, he's like, I don't get it. But I want to understand, <laughs> yeah. but I don't get it. And somebody mm -hmm. asked me, how can you date somebody like that? And I was like, it's the most refreshing thing. <laughs> because when you... When you've been in personal development for decades, the way that I have, and all your friends are in personal development work and, and do their own personal development work and read the books and work with the coaches and the mentors and the this and the that, we all become a little bit development obsessed and development <laughs> snobbish because now everybody must do it. How delectably refreshing to have a man who knows jack shirts about all the things and he's probably the most consciously evolved person that I have met in a really, really long time. And he lets me be who I am and I get to let him be who he is and we get to enjoy that difference in each other instead of thinking that we have to be the same on all levels. And yeah. I love how you guys bring in that masculine and feminine creative balance for each other. Because when I talk about masculine and feminine, I don't necessarily mean men and women. Mm. You know, we're talking about the energies and, and the creative energy and then the problem solving energy, feminine, masculine. Um, and I think that when we can find our, our partner that balances that for us, 
I, I'm I'm the uber creative person. I find it really hard to to verbalize what I feel and what I'm creating and how I'm operating. And it's been so helpful to have a man who's very problem solving oriented um, to sit me down and go, no, 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 we're going to get you to a point where you can verbalize something that I can actually understand and, and hold that space relentlessly for me to work through the, oh, I don't know. I just do this. <laughs> I think it's really important for us to to bring this into our lives, this masculine, feminine, creative, problem-solving dynamic in ourselves, but then also in our relationships. How does that translate to the bedroom, though, the masculine, feminine interplay um, in intimacy? What is your observation there? From my client's perspective, it's that the women that I work with, they have that feminine energy and they want to have that feminine energy. But occasionally, they want to be the masculine. Mm. It's like, I think for all of us, it's depending on the mood. Sometimes we just want to have that flower sex, that softness, and sometimes we just want to get banged. So it's depending on where we are that's what we want to live out and i think it's it's the same sometimes you are the feminine sometimes you are the masculine and when then both partners agree on it and can switch roles amazing yeah yeah i found personally for myself in my previous relationships i've always had such a strong masculine energy that it translated into the bedroom and I never allowed myself to be truly feminine in the bedroom because I had to be the strong one I had to be the you know let's get let's get down to business and get it done one and now yeah. for the first time and this is really interesting for me I get to be feminine in the bedroom I get to surrender I get to enjoy I get to not overthink it um, and actually be present in my body what is something that women can do to be more present in their bodies well from my experience is to quieten that um, mind drama that you have mm. letting go of the uh, daily worries uh, yeah quieten that voice that we all have and that comes back to it's coaching, but it's also a technique. It's something I personally teach my clients how to quieten that voice. Because I find just by talking about it, when we as coaches, we know what we talk about. We know what it means. We know where it comes from. We all know all of that. But someone who never has dealt with it, they have no idea what we're talking about. They have no idea why we should do it and what it's about and where does it come from and what are the benefits. So I find occasionally it's very beneficial to explain, to teach, say, this is why we're doing it and this is where it's coming from and this is how it can help you in your life. So when you can quieten that voice, that helps immensely to be present, to focus again. And not focus, but yeah, be present, focus on the 
moment and, and enjoy that. Yeah. What is your experience? Oh, it's getting out of my head. And, and, and again, I want, I want to reiterate here, my body was completely shut down. Like my body was so dead. I couldn't feel if you touched my body from my breasts all the way to my knees. That is how dead my body had become. And part of that was, you know, cramming, shutting down sexually. Part of that was um, all the trauma that I was holding in my body. And because I didn't want to deal with my emotional mess that my life was in, I became an Iron Man and I put my body through tremendous pain and trauma um, and learned how to load it with pain, right? To where it was physically shutting down just to cope. And it was such a badass for doing it. Um, it. It took a lot of courage for me to go, okay, I'm I'm willing to get out of my head, which was my default and get into my body and allow myself to feel again. And even now when it's intimacy time, I get out of my head and I get into my body. I consciously take my focus to the touch point. I consciously take my focus to the stimulation point and allow myself to be present there very physically rather than to think about things, which is what I used to do. And I find that it's so powerful in all of my life now. Even whilst I'm eating, I used to be the chronic eat while I work kind of person. Hardly tasted my food. Food is just fuel. Um, to now, oh my God, I'm like a glutton. I'm like, oh my God, this food is so good. Have you tasted this? <laughs> because that's the joy of the body, right? Is the sensory experience of life. Um, instead of just the mental or the spiritual experience of life that we are so preached at the moment, that sensory experience is what makes us a human life experience and what makes it so rich. So yeah, for me, it is not necessarily trying to quieten my mind because my mind is an extraordinarily um, present state. But I use it to actually go to the, the points in my body and to allow that sensory experience to, to take place. Now, I'm looking at the time and thinking, oh, my God, we can talk <laughs> for another hour. But I want to be respectful of everybody's time. What do you take an unapologetic stand for in this lifetime? Being me. Mm -hmm. And l allowing other people to be them so i think i wrote it even down in my business statement uh, my purpose is to give women the space to be who they are or who they want to be because some are not happy with who they are but who they want to be then mm. become grow into it so i want to give that space to everyone that i meet to just be who they are without judgment without stigma without anything just with love and openness love that where do women connect with you where is the best place for them to connect with you anna the best place is currently linkedin that's the one platform that i am enjoying being on so it's anna thurman coaching 
or they can send me an email, of course, at anna at annafellman.com. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. This was an interesting conversation. I actually want to go and listen to the recording because I think there were so many things that we, we covered today. Um, thank you for playing with me so nicely. And as always, I actually grow so much out of these conversations, Anna, because I get to start questioning my own belief patterns and I get to start looking at the world a different way. Um, and so it's so courageous for women such as you to say yes to just coming and having a random conversation. Um, and I really hope the listeners do a take two on this because there's, there's some really deep rooted issues that we touched on today um, with regards to the feminine sexuality, um, how we as women are showing up how we as women are allowing marketing to influence how we are showing up. Um, and that's definitely a topic that's worth discussing a little bit more. Um, and I'd like to discuss that a little bit more with you offline, by the way. Sorry, ladies, but you know what? <laughs> you can always come into the sanctuary and come and join in the conversation. I'll, I'll talk about the sanctuary at another time. But this is so important for us to start understanding it's not who we are being that we are rejecting it is often how we are showing up in the world that we are rejecting it is how we are conditioned to show up in the world that we are rejecting and when we remove those layers when we remove that conditioning and strip it down to who we actually are there is nothing to be ashamed of there is only to be proud of, and there's only to be accepting of, loving of, and appreciative of. Because at our core, we are magnificent in human form. We are divinely having human experiences, and in that evolving consciousness, evolving source, evolving life. When you get that you are the miracle and the miracle maker, that changes the game. So I thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to this conversation. Would love to hear from you in the comments. What is your experience with regards to your sensuality, your intimacy with yourself and intimacy with your partner? Um, and let's take this conversation further. So until next week, don't forget, we get to live our legacies unleashed, unlimited, and unapologetic. Have an amazing day further. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at The Unapologetic Woman and on LinkedIn at l naj And if you're interested in experiencing the Unapologetic Woman Friendwork Soiree, book in for our next open meeting at unapologetic-women.as.me forward slash unapologetic. Thanks again and I'll see you next week.